Nicholas Wapshot is back, opinion editor of Newsweek, also author. His newest book is The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationist, and The Road to World War II. His book is available at www.norton.com forward slash books, as well as amazon.com. Uh, hey, Nicholas, uh, happy Super Tuesday. Thank you for being with us. Hey, what an exciting day. We're actually here. I know, we are here. And today the results could be pivotal for Democrats, Republicans, or both, in your opinion. Um, well, in a way, you know, when it's the Democratic side, I think that uh, the Nevada result really spelled the end of Bernie Sanders' genuine attempt to become the presidential candidate. I cannot see a way that he can win. He ain't going to win much tonight. He might win, you know, Massachusetts and Vermont. I hope he wins Vermont for his own sake. But for the rest of the southern states and the people, uh, people out west, I think it's going to go heavily Hillary, which is only really, in a way, confirming what we knew from last weekend. That's actually when the pivot took place. Uh, tonight, it's going to be fascinating just to see the extent of it. What Bernie seems to be doing at the moment is sort of racking up the numbers. So that there are two things that is in Bernie's mind, I think. First of all, if he's defeated too soon, he won't get a place at the convention. What he really wants is a prominent speaking position at the, the convention. He'll be cheered to the rafters, uh, even if Hillary is chosen. Bernie has become a, a great star of the progressive firmament, quite rightly so. Uh, he's, he's single-handedly dragged into this conversation, this election cycle, some of the profound things that uh, progressive people in the rest of the world enjoy uh, in their governments that America doesn't, things like the single-payer health system and so on, for which we should be eternally grateful. So first of all, he should have a reward, but he will only get a reward, politics being what it is, if he manages to pile up enough uh, delegates to show that actually he is, you know, evidence of the fact that he is being supported. And if he gets kicked out too soon, uh, I'm afraid, you know, the bus will move on very fast and, uh, and Bernie's place in history will be sidelined. The, the other thing he's doing, of course, is setting himself up. Uh, Bernie is one of the few people in this race who, when their candidacy fails, and as I'm, I, I'm afraid it will, uh, he's, he's got a job to do. If you think of somebody like uh, most of the Republicans, for instance, Jeb Bush, you know, what's he going to do? He's going to go back to his semi-retirement. You know, he's far too young to be retired, but he's sort of loafing around doing something, I suppose. But he's got no sort of political future. Bernie does. Bernie has set off a movement within the Democratic Party, and it now behoves him, and let's hope that he doesn't sort of just curl up and disappear again. Let's hope that he leads the charge, recruits people preferably half his age, in order to take over the baton from him and actually start teaching many of the people that he's assembled around him, including the, the millennials, that actually it ain't going to be that easy to, to make America a progressive place, but it can be achieved over time, but everybody has to be marching in the same direction. They all have to know what they're uh, intended for. What is the purpose of where they're going? And I think that Bernie can do that. And uh, so, so for me, that's the, it's sort of the end of Bernie tonight, which is a, a shame. At the same time, I guess you'll sort of stagger on for a, a, a few bits more. Maybe, maybe the next great way. March the 15th may be the end for him, uh, technically. Uh, although if he wants to because of these proportional representation states, which means that it isn't winner-takes-all, so far anyway, he can probably accrue a few more delegates and, uh, and put on a brave face. But I'm afraid it is the end for Bernie. Okay. After today, so people understand, because this is a mathematical equation, and it's different for Democrats with superdelegates than it is for uh, Republicans. 
Is it possible that when we wake up in the morning, we have a Democratic nominee, or is Hillary not enough numbers uh, close enough to the magic number of delegates that she needs to uh, obtain and hold and and gain uh, the Democratic nomination? It'll be difficult to know for certain whether she's actually genuinely, you know, 100% past the line, but it'll be sort of 95% clear uh, that uh, that she will have won the nomination. And it's because what we're dealing with here, as we know, proportional representation in various of the states means that actually Bernie could chisel a few more away here and there. Uh, Superdelegates who are, these are office holders within the Democratic Party. Uh, They are strictly, I suppose, the Democratic establishment, in a way that the Republicans don't have such a thing as clear as the Democrats. Democrats have elected people who are, for their service to the party and to public service, they are given an extra delegate vote in the convention. Usually they never get to use it because it's already been decided by the primary as well before that. Uh, So some of these superdelegates, they might have, you know, quietly thought, well, if, it goes, if the race goes a different way towards Bernie, I wouldn't mind jumping ship. But so long as Hillary's ahead, those superdelegates can remain on side. They don't have to, many of them have declared, they don't actually have to formally declare until they get to the convention. So it's really just a matter of, it's momentum. It's, all primaries are really about momentum more than anything else. And if the wind is behind Hillary's sails, the fact is, I think we can say more or less for certain. I'm, I'm sorry. Of being cagey. I'm trying to be a journalist to be. No, no, no. You're not being cagey at all, Nicholas. We got to take a break. <laughs> Hang on, buddy. We'll be right back with you here on the only true democracy in talk radio. Nicholas Wapshot, opinion editor of Newsweek and an author. Check out his book, The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationist, and The Road to World War II. Follow him on Twitter at nwapshot. That's N W A P S H O T T. And read his great writings at newsweek.com. Back after this. It is Super Tuesday. We are back and we are talking with our great guest and with you. Nicholas Wapshot is our guest and he is opinion editor of Newsweek, author of The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationist and The Road to World War II. Nicholas, thanks for holding. uh, Welcome back. Um, uh, Talking uh, about a lot of things and let's take some calls. 8886-LESLIE's the number. Uh, Margaret joins us from Ithaca, New York on line two, listening on our affiliate there, WNYY 1470 AM. Margaret, good afternoon. Question or comment? for Nicholas. Hi. Well, it, it, it's more just a little anecdotal story, I guess. You know, first of all, I'm, I'm, I feel a little concerned that we're sort of all being brought to heel by Hillary. It's kind of sad. I think Bernie represents uh, an opportunity for us to remember that we need to work together. Um, and the, I just wanted to comment on this always categorizing Bernie as having the, you know, the millennials at his side and say that at our last phone banking session, a 92-year-old woman drove herself, brought her Mac, brought her cell phone, got on the phone to make calls to Colorado and Oklahoma, and I gotta say, I think there's just a real wonderful momentum and i hope we don't just wrap it up today and declare that it's all done that's all that's my comment all right thank you for your comment nicholas to that point even if senator sanders who i love i love senator sanders and i think what he has done is is commendable and i don't think that the voices of um his movement if you will um, should be drowned out but a few things first of all although he's caucus with democrats he's an independent should Bernie Sanders have run as an independent or would it not made a difference because of the way our system is set up? Our, our, we have a two-party system with the Electoral College, the primaries, the caucuses, the way it's set up. We're not going to see. 
outside a two-party system, perhaps even in our lifetime. Yeah, this is a perennial thing. I mean, does the two-party system serve the United States? And I guess it depends where. Maybe, maybe not lately, but over over history it has. Third-party candidates always, when they intrude, uh, side with one side or the other. That's Mike Bloomberg's problem. He would dearly like to run, and if it was Bernie versus. Trump, he would think that he could come up through the middle to the what he assumes to be sort of moderate uh, Republicans and Democrats together. That's possible for him. But actually, he knows that if it's Hillary, the Democratic candidate, he and Hillary will end up splitting the vote and let Trump in. So uh, there are all ways to, to look at this. And uh, the, the two, is it fair for an independent? Well, of course, Trump's an independent, and he's just taken the Republican Party. He's just hijacked it. He's like a pirate. He has boarded the Republican Party and taken over the whole thing with a knife between his teeth, and all of the cowering Republican establishment don't know what to do about it. Bernie hasn't managed to do that uh, this time around. It, maybe it would be sort of um, intellectually honest for him if he were actually to say, okay, I know that actually in, in the practical world that we live in, the world is divided in two, and it's pretty easy. If you're not one, you, you're the other, and I am a Democrat, really. I'm an independent Democrat, if you like, but I'm a Democrat. And it wouldn't do him any harm to start caucusing properly in the Senate. I know he does in any case. But as a, as a true Democrat, that might be, I think there might have been a sort of reservation. After all, if he had been a Democrat uh, for the last 20 years, then maybe he would have found his way through the party and found himself a, a, a rather more welcoming audience to come in from the outside, as he's done in the last uh, two, three years. Uh, it's come as a, a surprise to to the people in the mainstream, uh, which maybe it shouldn't have done, but it has. And the does the label make any difference? Well, independent socialist, all of these labels mean nothing. In, in all two-party systems, and most countries around the world end up with two parties, or if they have a third party, it usually spoils for one party or the other. In, in that choice, it is pretty easy, actually. For the most part, you don't even have to think about it. That's why when you look at the polling data, it shows that most people made their mind up about who they were going to support some many weeks ago. It's got nothing to do with who said this or that or the other or the news cycle of the last couple of days. People know, because if you look at in any country in the world, you see which of the two parties, you know which one you want to follow. There are very, very few people who genuinely wobble between one and the other. There's, there's a great uh, academic study on all of this stuff. It used to be called the floating voter. It was where the elections were won and lost in the middle, where you had to persuade reasonable floating people who actually thought about these things to side with you or the other. Turned out it was mostly a myth. Most of the change from one election to the other had actually to do with people at the top end of the scale, the age scale, dropping dead, and people coming on to the new electoral register down below. When you took those things in, the number of floating voters was actually uh, surprisingly small. And most people today, when they describe themselves as independent, know full well, really, that they're either an independent Republican or an independent Democrat. So there we are. It's, it's not easy, Leslie, is it? Uh, no, absolutely. To your point, there have uh, been some uh, tweets. Reporter Muggsy tweeted, Bernie rejected the idea of running as an independent because he didn't want to be a spoiler. It also got him on the same debate stage. And Elmer tweeted, even if he doesn't win the nomination, referring to Senator Sanders, he's raised very important issues that weren't even given uh, the time of day. Um, and, and I would agree with that. Does Even if Senator Sanders takes Oklahoma, Colorado, Minnesota, and Vermont, and even Massachusetts. And one, will he do that, you know, prediction-wise? Two, if he does that, 
Does he stay in the game? And three, does he have to do that to stay in the game? Uh, he certainly doesn't have to fold his tent up tonight, whatever the result is. He's going to get Vermont. He may well get Massachusetts. When you get down to the southern states, I think the evidence from South Carolina, anyway, is that actually because he can't, he has never been able to move the needle with African-American voters, I think the chances of him picking up places like Kentucky, a bit slender, really, but uh, we'll see. You know, maybe he's more in contention than we imagine. I mean, after all, one of the joys of democracy, one of the joys of electoral politics is the surprises it throws up. Uh, it, you know, finding the opinion pollsters wrong, it doesn't make us all very happy. So uh, let's, let's say that he does not very well tonight. Of course he doesn't have to give up. In fact, part of the, the movement idea, and part of actually being a socialist, is to take the long road. The fact is, no one expects everything to happen within one electoral cycle if you're a socialist, if you're on the left. You know it's impossible to do. If you look at all those great socialists in, uh, in Britain, for instance, my goodness, they have been at this business for one and a half centuries, and they only got uh, their first government after half the time, after about 75 years. And it's, it's tricky. What's more, you have to, when you make changes, you, you know full well that the... Uh, the opposition is going to immediately rescind what you've done. So even you've got to plan that into it. So Bernie has the job, as I was saying earlier, I think, of – I didn't mean to say that only millennials are supporting Bernie. It's just that I think that people of Bernie's age in the early weeks when we watched Bernie on the stump, they were mostly white-haired people in the audience. As time went on, which must have been very frightening for Hillary Clinton, uh, suddenly a lot of young people started supporting him, and he was supported on campuses. And I think that if Bernie wants to leave a lasting impression on the nation, what he has to do is to say that younger generation to come together as a unit, think like him, and actually draw up a plan for how to make the United States more socialist. Uh, it's not going to be easy. It might be impossible. But that's, that's what he has been sent here to do, it seems. And uh, alas for him, this time around anyway, uh, it doesn't seem the Democrats are going to choose him. They're going to choose someone more likely to be able to beat uh, a, a straightforward Republican. But that's a sort of different question if Donald Trump is the candidate on the other side, Leslie, don't you think? Yes, but let's talk about the other side in a minute before we leave the Dems. Um, this is, and I have even said, and Suzanne tweets about this, a 50-state election. And it's a 50-state strategy. And even though there are those who are pro-Hillary that are expecting an obituary, if not tomorrow, then sometime soon from Senator Sanders, like you said, he will carry on. And there are some states he'll do very well in, I think, like Washington and Oregon, for example. And I don't think he'll do too poorly in the state I'm in, California. That's probably true. I mean, I've got many, many Californian friends, and they are substantial. I live in New York, but they're substantially more progressive even than New Yorkers. I would say my friends, in particular in the Bay Area, where I've got hundreds of friends, and they, and you know, it's impossible to find a Republican among them. Uh, it, in fact, I'll tell you a story. I was uh, at, attending an editorial meeting of the San Francisco Chronicle when it was run by, in those days, William Randolph Hearst III. This is the grandson of the great William Randolph Hearst of Citizen Kane fame. And I was a political reporter in London, and I uh, was invited in to see how uh, the Chronicle did it. And they were talking about... Uh, 
opinion polling. And I said, how do you get on with opinion polling? He said, well, the problem is with a, an electorate like this, which is so overwhelmingly progressively Democrat, the sample size of Republicans is so small, we can't do polling. And they said the same was true in Orange County in Los Angeles, but the other way around. They couldn't find a Democrat. So uh, there's no doubt that it's certainly true that uh, he, ha he will have a great deal of support. He has a great deal. I, I think that the most independent, sorry, most Democratic registered Democrats have uh, their heart is torn in a way. I mean, sure, they, you know, a third of it might be for Hillary and two thirds of it might be for uh, Hillary, but when their brain is probably the other way, it's sort of two thirds for Hillary because she probably will win or can win, and and that's when uh, Bernie takes a bit of a hit. It does seem a bit unlikely that he's going to be able to do it against any of the people. I mean, I don't know. Any, I suppose any anybody could beat Trump, but against a, a more traditional person, I think Bernie uh, can be made fun of. And of course, there will be a great deal of uh, united opposition from the. Uh, the conservative press, uh, people like the Journal, will, will love taking Bernie apart in a way that actually, after all of these years, you know, we're talking decade after decade of incoming abuse to Hillary. I think that she's steeled to it. Um, hey, it's not over till it's over, but you did ask me which direction you thought it was going, and I think from last weekend, I think it was already Hillary's. This will be even more confirmation, however well he does here and there, and he's certainly going to do well in Vermont. And I guess he'd do pretty well in Massachusetts. It's a similar, similar sort of state. Well, actually, Massachusetts yesterday, polls showed Hillary uh, actually beating him yesterday in Massachusetts. Like, yeah. she was doing, she's come up in that state. It's my, my home state, so I happen to look at that. Uh, states I've lived in or my heart belongs to or I'm living in now, I definitely, I look at all of them, but, you know, I, I, I tend to focus a bit more. Speaking of, let's talk about that. Real Clear Politics has, and it doesn't seem to change much, but it shows if the election were hypothetically held today, a nationally in a one-to-one -one matchup against Trump, it, a real clear politics, which, uh, as you know, Nicholas, is a, a polling average of various polls. It can be four, it can be six, it can be eight. Um, and what they have is that Bernie Sanders is leading Trump by about 6%, Hillary Clinton by about 3%. Uh, but that doesn't make sense when you just look at the numbers uh, broken down state by state and the percentages that she has major double-digit leads in certain states. South Carolina is an example of that. So how can the polls seem to be so far off from what's happening in primary and caucuses? Ah, well, polling is, uh, as you know, is a sort of sub-religion of politics. Uh, and uh, those who dare venture in uh, should mind out, because there are people who spend all their time crawling over figures here. There, there are problems, by the way, I've always found with real, real clear politics, which I look at every day. Uh, it's the best place to pick up all the polls, best place to pick up all of the opinion in a very simple way. Uh, so it's an amazingly useful site. But actually, it is wrong, I would say, to aggregate a number of polls and put them together as if it's more impressive. Uh, when it comes to statistics, you only need roughly a 1,000 people in a, a roughly homogenized population to be able to stand, understand what all of them are thinking. It's one of those magic things that, uh, that is just true, that you don't have to. I mean, if you imagine you've got a big tureen of soup. You take out a ladle and put it in. That's going to taste 
more or less what the whole thing is going to taste like. And that's, so that's when they get it right. The difficulty when it comes to predicting what's going to happen in a general election, of course, is that you end up with only a headline figure across the nation. And really what you want to know is where the candidates are breaking in different directions, because it is a winner-takes-all, mostly, uh, electoral college. So if you can pick up the big states, California, Florida, New York, uh, Illinois, big, Ohio, big states, uh, if Hillary's winning there against Trump, then it's all done. And it doesn't matter how much he's got, which might aggregate out to something very close. After all, every presidential uh, election has been more or less narrowly fought for the last 50 years or more. Uh, so the, the difference isn't so much. This time, I think, though, because... I think that uh, maybe Hillary is a divisive figure, but we've sort of got used to it. But Trump is a profoundly divisive figure, and it could easily work out. I mean, if the odds are, say, one in ten of him beca becoming president, and I think it, it's, it's a tall order to get him into the White House, quite honestly. But if it's one in ten, then it's sort of um, one in five that actually Hillary will do immensely well across all the states. That is, if he crumbles, if he tumbles then she's got the place to herself. And you end up then with this spectacularly uh, interesting notion, which is you could have Hillary Clinton in charge of the White House, the Senate, the House, and she's got the nominations and the, the jobs and, and votes in the Senate in order to also pick the Supreme Court. So the next, there's no doubt about it, Republicans are right. This November is pivotal. For all of those things, they, of course, are in despair because they've got someone who isn't really a Republican, who is... So, so in despair that we've, you know, heard rumors, as you know, Nicholas, that Mitch McConnell's going to, you know, run ads to help Hillary <laughs> because he's, a, he's worried about losing Senate seats if Trump becomes president. I'm sorry we didn't get to every call. Uh, one last minute, uh, Nicholas, uh, anything you want to use the 60 seconds for, uh, predictions or just final words regarding Super Tuesday today? Uh, well, hey, all I would say is that uh, this season, for those of us who are addicted to elections and politics, this season has been uh, more than anything else that I can remember, the most spectacular in terms of its, uh, really, its lack of politics in a way. It's all craven nonsense coming from the Republican side. None of the opponents of Trump believe what they're saying. They're saying it in order to beat Trump. And Trump is sui generis, I mean, different from anyone else that we have seen lately. Uh, and so that's what makes tonight particularly special. It's like Oscar night. Uh, <laughs> as they say, you know, uh, Washington is, uh, is Hollywood for the ugly people. And uh, tonight, uh, Super Tuesday, I think it's a form of Oscar night for, uh, for quiet people like you and me who want to sit in front of the TV and devour this extraordinary feast of new information from which we can, you know, tomorrow we'll have different views. It's, it's fantastic. That's the nature of this wonderful game. It's the best sport in town. Absolutely. Nicholas, we love you, buddy, and always good to talk with you. We're going to take a break. Nicholas Wapshot's opinion editor of Newsweek, author of The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationist, and The Road to World War II. Pick it up at Amazon.com or www.norton.com forward slash books. Follow Nicholas on Twitter at nwapshot, W-A-P-S-H-O-T-T. -T. And the website is Newsweek.com, excuse me, Newsweek.com to read his writing.